guys give me if I kill that bird? Barbara, that's a bald eagle. Get away, baldy! Yeah! Oh, boy. Good evening, good evening, and good evening. This is The Word with Mike, Pete, Steve, and a whole slew of other cast of characters. Season four here of The Word with Mike, Pete, and Steve. GovsRadio.com. We are live here in our homes again. We thought 2021 was going to bring us some, uh, you know, uh, freedom and running around barefoot in the woods. But I guess you could still do that. Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for joining us this evening. This is the world with Mike, Pete, and Steve. GovsRadio.com. Go over to GovsRadio.com and check us out live. We're also live on Facebook, live on YouTube. Go over to the Govs Comedy Radio Channel, Comedy Club Radio Channel, I think. And you will check us out. We're also in podcast form on all your favorite podcast platforms, as well as GovsRadio.com. And tonight... We have a very special guest with us. We have Chris from Darling Brewing Company. I'm Patch Arlong. Before we get to Chris, we're going to start with Steve and some of our, and this is, by the way, the whole song, and this is not at all what it's supposed to be, but it's fine. Uh, we're going to start with our sponsors for 2021, and Steve, you're going to kick it off with our buddy, Nick, over at Rosie's Draft Solutions. Yes, uh, last year, Rosie's came on as a sponsor, and uh, they've been doing some really great things. They wanted to come back and and. Uh, probably our number one sponsor um and uh we're we're hoping some really big things for them uh obviously once things start opening up again uh but rosie's draft solution provides professional draft beer cleaning uh services uh they service bars restaurants halls events homes and all other beverage establishments across long island and westchester um so if you need a kegerator uh they could get you on, set it mm. up, get you going. And if you don't know how to clean it, they will come and clean it for you. Uh, if you mention the wart, you will get a, was it 5% discount? 10%, oh, 10%, 10% off your order and your service. Yes. Um, just got to ask for Nick over at rosydraftsolutions.com. And uh, he will set you up with a fine working kegerator to put some beautiful beer in. Hopefully from Darling Brewing. There you go. So go over to rosystrapsolutions.com or give them a call. I forget the phone number, but you can go to rosystrapsolutions and find it out and call Nick and tell him the work sent you. We're also sponsored tonight by Brewbag. Brewbag is beer pond cornhole right in your backyard when things get a little warmer up here in the Northeast. We're going to be out there playing a little beer pond conhole. 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 Conhole from Brewbag. Go to brewbag.com and in promo code type in wart or better yet, go over to our Instagram. Go up into our uh, profile, and in there is a link to all of our sponsors, especially Rosie's and Brewbag and VintageBeerShirtClub.com. So uh, if you click on that link for Brewbag, you will get a percentage off your order automatically. The link is special for us. So go to Brewbag.com for your beer pong con- con- hole, con- hole today. We're also sponsored by VintageBeerShirtClub.com, VintageBeerShirtClub.com for your vintage beer shirts today. Uh, go over to VintageBeerShirtClub.com, type in the promo code WORTWRT, receive a percentage off your order, and check out all the cool old-school brewery logos that they have. Pete, what else do we got? Hardwell Woodshop, since I see your uh, tap handle there, taphandles.com. Mm. Hardwell Woodshop, if you want to uh, get your lady a fancy cutting board for uh, Valentine's Ooh. Day, uh, yeah. mention the word, uh, taphandles.com. You want to yep. get... And of course. You want to get a fancy yeah, tap yeah. handle for that uh, kegerator that you got from Rosie's Draft Solutions? There you go. Uh-huh. Wouldn't be complete what a nice without time. a tap handle from tap handles.com. 
Also go over to Brewers Hardware, brewershardware.com for all your uh, home brewing or large capacity needs. Uh, Brewers Hardware, again, opening up its sponsorship this year for 2021 Hooray! and giving us gifts to give back to our guests uh, on the show. So, Chris, you shall receive some gifts for being on the show tonight, like every radio guest there is. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> So, uh, so go to uh, brewershardware.com. Uh, there is a promo code set up. He set one up at the end of uh, 2020. So type in Wart, W-O-R-T, and let him know uh, that the Wart sent you. And uh, I think that's it for now. We are actively talking to other people uh, about some new sponsorships here. Uh, we still have our regular ones that have been going on for a little under a year. These This new lineup here is actually less than a year so far. So we got more coming, folks. So keep an eye out for that. People uh, in the beer industry, in the uh, craft industry, anything like that, uh, you know, give us a call if you want to be a sponsor on the show. We don't ask for much. That's for damn sure. <laughs> We're pretty much whores, so we'll just do whatever you want us to do. Just tell us what you want us to promote, and we'll just promote it. We're good with that. Tonight, in our homes, we welcome Chris Dortry from Darling Brewing Company. What's up, buddy? Thanks for having me out, guys. We're in. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks a lot no. for uh, spending for cutting out some time for us. Home. Yeah, welcome yeah. to our home. <laughs> yeah. We welcome ourselves to your home. It's kind of weird to say that, but sure. Come on in. Yeah, come on in. I like the chair Have a beer. rail. Make yourself at home. Yeah. <laughs> Very fancy, fancy chair rail. Um. So, uh, Chris, uh, again, thanks for a lot. You're kicking off season four here of the work with Mike, Pete, and Steve. Got a lot planned for this year. A couple of quick announcements, show-related, not sponsor-related. Uh, number one, uh, we are going to be taping a segment for a event that's going to be happening on uh, Valentine's Day. It's going to be called Pints of Love. And check out our Instagram and social media for information or go over the 90-second beer review. There is uh, somewhere along the lines of like uh, a dozen or a dozen and a half different breweries from New York and North Carolina participating in Pints of Love. So uh, check them out. And there's a lot of content throughout the weekend. It's uh, $15. You can get all weekend of content, including live music events, including uh, interviews with brewers, and then including, of, of course, our stage, our uh, one-hour special version of the word. And I guarantee uh, it's going to be a fun one. We have a lot of fun stuff oh planned, so boy. check that out. If you were fans of the other the, thing, any of the shows with uh, featuring Joe Bruzo of WA Meadworks, I promise. Are you giving away the farm? I, You're giving away I the farm. I promise it'll be worse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Also, uh, coming up this year, we have uh, AC Beer Fest, which announced its dates of June 4th and 5th. So we'll be down at AC Beer Fest uh, broadcasting, possibly not live, considering it's going to be outdoors. But uh, if they don't have Wi-Fi, so we'll probably be recording it to tape and then airing it that following Monday or so. The only so keep an eye is, out for that. Only sad thing uh, I, I read, they couldn't get the original acts they were going to have from this past year. Goldfinger, oh, really? Pizza oh. yeah, broken up. I know you crushed, Peter. You crushed. Oh, I won't get to see the so used. Chris. Oh. No, it's not the used. Was it the used? used. No, it it's not the used. No. Was it? No. I don't think so. No. no, it was definitely Newfound Glory, yep. which I've seen a million times, Gold so that's Finger. fine. Goldfinger, I've only seen like maybe four times, and I have not seen him in years, so I was excited about that Me one. Too. Especially the new album came out, and it was fantastic. So some good stuff coming yeah, out I for them. So I'm, I'm anxious to said, see what they're going to get. Think, I heard one actor might be Romstein or something. I don't know. <laughs> I just fucking wish, right? L Lamb uh, of God. 
I wouldn't do the show. <laughs> I would. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. They don't play for long. They only play for like 40 minutes. They well, have they like have old two music plays all day. I don't know if, any, if this probably anyone's like ever seen Rob Stein live, but like I thought I had been to two shows and then I went mm-hmm. to my second Rob Stein sh- concert and that is a fucking show. It is a spectacle. Lots of fire. Oh my God. The first time I, uh, yeah. so much everything's fire. on fire. Including the lead singer, it's I mean, <laughs> not not to be missed. Trying to scream over being in flames. Well, that's fun. I mean, I, I would pay to see that probably. That'd be fun. Uh, so yeah, we got a, like I said, a lot of things planned for the upcoming um, year, and for people at home, they could see uh, some changes to the intro, changes to the logo. Um, we're making upgrades along the way. So uh, with that, we hope to do some uh, very big things, even beyond those things. Uh, when things get better and we get out there and to the public and, and back and hanging out with people again and uh, everything will hopefully make its way through. Now on the darker side, uh, we're still in the middle of this. So uh, it's got to be hard on people. Chris, let's start off with talking a little bit about that. Um, you guys opened uh, less than a year ago, correct? Yeah. Um, starting in the middle of the pandemic. July 31st. So like right in the middle of it, basically. Wow. That's, I mean, that's got to be tough. Uh, I know, yeah. I'm sure you didn't try to plan it that way. <laughs> what was uh, the, the hardest uh, thing? None. Sorry, you were breaking I mean, up Remember there. back uh, when they were saying two weeks of quarantine to flatten the curve? And oh, yeah. here we are later. Like, you know, it is what it is. But we're making do. Um, we're getting by. We're paying our bills. So really, I have no grounds to complain. Uh, I want things to open back up. I would love for my tap room to be at 100% capacity again. But, you know, like I said, we're, we're getting by. So yeah, it's, if we can survive in this time, I think we're going to be okay for the future. Now, when yeah, you guys you make uh, it through here, I think you're, I think you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not quite. So but. give us a little brief history about you. Uh, you know, we, we've been kind of going back and forth online for a while since we started the show over three years ago now. And, um, you know, you uh, at one point were over at Barrier. And so pick us up from there. How'd you get involved with Barrier? And then how'd you get to where you are today? Uh, well, I started homebrewing in college about uh, maybe 11 years ago. And um, I was never really thrilled about what I was doing in college. Uh, took a step back, took some time to uh, figure out maybe wanting to do something else. Uh, Fell into an internship at Barrier, uh, basically just washing kegs. And, you know, over the course of my six years there, worked my way up from keg washer to uh, cellarman and then uh, to lead brewer, head brewer. But, yeah, I was there for quite some time. Um, always in the back of my head, I knew I wanted to do something on my own. I always wanted to be working on my own brand, my own beers. Um, didn't have a lot of that freedom in the barrier vein, but um, I took a job for about six or seven months at Rockaway Brewing Company as their uh, uh-huh. brewmaster uh, in between in between Barrier and Darling, and there I really had an opportunity to work on my recipes and some of the stuff that I'm like really excited about doing and projects going forward. Um, but yeah, then uh, the opportunity to start Darling came up, and I jumped on it. What was the thing that that kind of was the first step towards that? Was it um, someone coming to you for some sort of, uh, I guess, partnership, or was it a matter of just a space? What were you looking for there? Uh, 
so Darling was originally Patch Dog Beer Project. Um, there were issues with efficiency, issues with issues with the brand, issues with staffing. Um, so my partners, my current partners, who were some of the original partners from Patch Dog Beer Project, were looking for someone to kind of take it in another direction, someone with a little more experience. Uh, so I that was the role that I filled for Darling. Um, we came in, we rebranded, we kind of took advantage of the fact that things were shut down between um, March and July when we opened. And we, yeah, we just took our time to like kind of carefully think about what we wanted to do going forward and what kind of beer we wanted to present to Patchogue and, and Suffolk County. But I think we do have a pretty focused um, mission statement in terms of beer and like that's really just making quality beer um never without going into the specifics what was not working before that you wanted to fix i mean i know you said staffing issues and stuff like that but did it have to do with the product i it was like 90 percent of products it was just i think it was just a lack of understanding experience it it definitely was yeah and you know i don't want to talk down on anyone no no uh, no you know, this this isn't something that you can just bite off, and uh, yeah, it, it's not home brewing. You know, you, you need to know what you're doing, and especially when you're not. <laughs> you know, I mean, coming from Rockaway, we had a four person staff running a five barrel brew house. Jesus, but we're cranking out. You know, we we're we we're making tons of products. Uh, same deal with Barrier. Like when I was with Barrier, oh. and we were back on the five barrel system, we were. John Gomez and I were cranking out six batches a day, three each. Like we were turning that brew house around three times a day per brewer. Yep. Um, yeah. So it's like I'm I'm no stranger to efficiency and, and you know working on a small system, but putting out volume. And even when we moved up to a twenty barrel system at Barrier, like you know three turns a day per brewer, it was it's a lot. <laughs> but. Uh, so when you have one guy doing maybe one batch a week and it's not coming out perfect, you know, you have to really look into who's making your products. That could be bad. Right. But uh, for me, more than anything, what it comes down to is ingredients. Uh, we never cut costs on ingredients. That's something that really bugs me about a lot of breweries. Um, using heavily modified ingredients or using very cheap ingredients, using extracts, using... All sorts of stuff. Like, I don't know. I, I'm someone who's very sensitive to extracts in terms of taste. Like, if I try a fruited sour, I can almost 99% of the time tell if it was just an extract instead of fruit puree. Right. You know, it, Is it a matter of sweetness or just the, the, the tang or something there to it? Tang, it's kind of a medicinal quality. Ah. And often I, it, it perceives a little bit as, um, it's not quite diacetyl and it's not quite acetyl, but it's somewhere in the middle of the two. And like, I, I don't know, it's just something I can always seem to perceive. Like I, I pick it up quickly and it bugs me because, you know, it's so simple to just add puree to the beer. And, you know, you might have to spend a little bit more money, but I think for the product, it's, it's just that much better. Yeah. I mean, for, for just to, whenever we're going to break down the beers a little later, um, but you know, what we have here from the fruited sour or the sour double IPA, it you can't tell anything about extracts or anything like that. It tastes 
very natural. There's a very natural taste to what you've added to this. We'll get into it, like I said later, but um, delicious. And I'm a big fan of the sour IPA sour craze. Um, and I only got into it recently. So uh, it's one of those, again, things that I think every brewery should be experimenting with, whether it be a sour lager or a sour IPA or, or a Brett IPA or anything like that. Um, to have one of those on the board gives people options. And, uh, you know, not, not again, not talking down, but I don't remember Patrick Beer Project having that big of a portfolio to choose from. Um, and that's what I want out of a brewery. Like, I want to be able to jump from a porter to a sour and back over to double IPA. And then uh, let me try the uh, Saison. Uh, you know, that, that kind of, uh, that's where I'm at. I'm like ADD of beer drinking. <laughs> no, and, and like you would probably love our tap room then because we have something for everyone. Um, we, we only really ever have two uh, clean IPAs on at a time. I don't, I, I can't stand going to a brewery and seeing 10 New England style IPAs. I, I, I might as well turn around because I don't <laughs> want to drink it. Well, you did work at Barrier. I so. Like, well, yeah, I mean, it, it was like, yeah, for the six years I was at Barrier, it was like 90% of what I made. Yep. But, um, and we love it. I was at Barrier so much. <laughs> and I, yeah. I, everything you went in there and you could probably, Ishkray is one of my favorite beers. That collab with San City, uh, right. it was so beer. good. That was one of the first ones that just, it stopped me in my tracks. And I seek it out every time it, it comes out. Um, and there's been some great ones, solid ones, as well as even the, the half half with other half, the, uh, that's uh, oh, was well, a stout or porter or whatever that was. Yeah, the uh, the milk stout. Milk stout. Uh, oh my god. Yeah, no, that's that's a great beer. Uh, and I, that those are some of the beers that I love the most when I was at Barrier were the dark beers. Um, Evan really had a good mind for for doing the darker stuff like Rip Rap Morticia, yeah. um, especially now with all the Morticia variances that they're doing. I was I had a few the other day and I was like. Man, like we we weren't doing fun stuff with it when I was there. Like they're doing like a mint version, they're doing a cinnamon version. Like they're doing all sorts of stuff, and it it, it is really good. That's right. Um, yeah, no, I mean if you come to our brewery, our our board is pretty eclectic. You know, I always have at least a a German Keller beer on. That's uh, the style that I like to drink the most. Um, typically, we'll have a saison on. Currently, we have an English mild on. I don't that, really know of any other brew. That beer was an English mild. That beer was excellent, bro. Thank you. I had, Thank I, you. No, I mean that. For me, that's like a Sunday beer. That's that's a football beer. If I'm watching three hours of football, like that beer is a pretty sessionable. Yeah, well, I it think has it was like a lot four, of flavor. Five, something like that. Five, yeah, and I mean you could drink a ton of them, not get bloated, but um, you could. It also pairs well with every food. I mean, it's one of those styles that I just you have to sell people on. Most people don't realize that they want to drink an English mild because they don't know what it is. But once they have it, they realize like, oh, it's just like it's kind of a yingling that tastes a little bit better. You know, it's I also I'm not a I'm not a big yingling fan, but I, I do know from uh, Steve's uh, palate that that would work very much for me. Yeah, I went when I when I stopped in the other day. That was the first I saw it. I was like, oh, "I'm getting the English mild." You know, New England IPAs are New England IPAs, but right, right. You know, like the English mild is like that's the brewer's beer. That's the shift beer. Yep. That's what I want at the end of a long day, like hot brew house, kicking grain all day, and then like I go to the bar. The last thing I want to drink is a heavy stout or a heavy IPA. Like I just want either the Pilsner or the English mild. That's definitely gonna like make me feel a lot better. 
Yeah, it was it was definitely well done, man. And and, and I I even said to Ryan, uh, I said, yeah, I said this beer is for me it was spot on. It was like you said, I could sit there and just drink that, and you know, whereas you know you're drinking something real heavy or, or you're drinking something that it's got so much hops in it, you, 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 your palate gets kind of burnt out, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I we're working out of serving tanks predominantly. So every beer that I make has to be something that like we can sell relatively quickly. I, I mean, we can't really afford to have five to 10 barrels of beer sitting in a tank because no one wants to. So there is a little bit of an education curve where someone comes in and doesn't realize that they want an English mild. It's really up to my bartenders and it's up to me writing the proper tasting notes for it. But at the end of the day, like it's all about educating and letting the consumer know, like, hey, here's a new style that you might not have thought about picking off our board, but we really recommend it. And again, same same goes for the Keller beer, like just really good, crisp, easy drinking. Something you could drink a few of without leaving our tap room feeling like drunk and you know way too full. Exactly. Although we do encourage to leave drunk. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to deny anybody of their our God-given right to drink lots and lots of beer. And then get in an Uber, for the love of God. That's correct. Well, Pat Chog, or called Gotham Gold Grass Limo Company. Oh. <laughs> right home. I can't wait till he jumps into the uh, chat and Instagram live that we just went on oh, and uh, starts, starts talking stuff. <laughs> but we are, yes, Instagram, we are live with uh, Chris from Darling Brewing Company out in Pat Chog, Long Island, talking to him about the uh, brand new brewery that he's uh, now the co-owner and head brewer of um, and taking all your styles that you learned from Barry, did you really take any of those relatively close recipes and bring them over to the new place? Not, no, not really so much. Um, it's funny. I, I really love Barry's IPAs and obviously that's what they're known for, but they're also so specifically done. Like when I crack open a can of beer and it, it's in, let's say a blank can, I, I can pretty much always pick out a barrier beer. Right. Uh, their IPAs are very much their own. Um, and it isn't to say that I don't enjoy their style of beer. It is to say that I wanted to do something of my own. And you work with someone for that long and eventually, you know, you spot things that you don't love about the beer or, you know, and obviously you have to make what you love and hopefully the consumer loves it too. Um, but I'm sure, like, once you get into uh, the double IPA uh, enfilade, you'll understand where I stand a little bit differently in terms of bitterness, in terms of yeast use. Um, and we'll get into the details of, of what goes into these beers, too. But um, no, I mean, I, I've been home brewing for 10, 10 years, 11 years now, um, including my professional career. And I've just always kind of wanted to do my own thing. I've always had strong opinions, obviously, on ingredients, but um, also just on, on how styles should be executed. And I think a lot of this industry, especially now and especially on Long Island, everything is very much so um, dependent on efficiency or dependent on style. And a lot of breweries are either pushing beer out quickly or they're cutting a corner with the ingredients here or there, you know, I'm coming from 
my most recent job being in the city and there's so many good breweries in the city where ingredients is not an object it, it just the standard for beer was so much higher and i see that coming out to the island now and i i do see it with a lot of breweries that you know we compete with but i'm still friendly with um so yeah i just think there is still this growth that's happening in long island yeah um that makes sense no it does uh, checking in on Instagram, Jordan R329 said he just picked up a mixed case uh, from Barry last week, but hasn't been able to crack it yet. Uh, Rosie's Draft Solution says, what's up? Uh, Joseph John. Joseph John, one hey. of our number one super fan number 99 for our podcast, uh, says, Darling is so good. And I also tagged him and pinned him in the thing. Barnshed's oh, checking in. West- Rosie was at Darling today. He cleans my wa- lines like nice. once a month. Nice. As he should. And you got your certified clean tap uh, plaque. Yeah. There you go. Oh, yeah. He knows the shit, man. (laughs) Yes, he does. And he knows the things where, you know, some people just don't know this part of that system needs cleaning. You know, like even the the bearing inside of the, the thing in here, this needs to fully be taken apart. You can't just run cleaner through this and we're good. There are some pieces in here that won't, you know, reach that. So if you have to take your time and really pull this thing apart and make sure that every inch of that thing is clean. If you want to get the best possible product back to your audience. Which, yeah. Which I appreciate. Cause like he does it so quickly, so seamlessly and like something that would probably take me a whole day. Yeah. He's been out in a couple of hours yeah. and does a phenomenal job. Um, They're very meticulous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very our buddy much. from, uh, West, I mean, sorry, good. No, when it's something you do every day, maybe a couple times a day, like it just, He's quick, and that doesn't mean like he's not doing a good job. He just knows what he's doing. Yep. Uh, buddy from West Babylon Superstars checking in. He does a uh, review every so often, every week. Loves you. Loves Darling. Uh, barrel-aged uh, Dave says, Darling is the best thing to happen in Long Island since beer besides Barrage. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess he threw that in there just to make sure he wasn't, you know. But Barrage doesn't exist anymore, Dave. So mm, maybe Darling's number one now for you. Remember Barrage? <laughs> yeah. Remember that, please? Uh, so Rosie says, cheers. Jordan says, good old, uh, good job, Rob. Uh, good job, Rob. Oh, he's che- commenting in the thing. And uh, Scotty Too Hoppy saying what's up. So just, just checking in every so often, saying hi to people. Um, so, Chris, we, we, we opened up in July. And uh, obviously, it was in the midst of this craziness, although – I think July was probably the right time because people could go outside. You could have your uh, cellar doors open up, your garage doors. Give us a little uh, outline of the space and what you guys did on opening weekend just to kind of get people in and get it going. The intention was still like pretty high. Um, a lot of people were still very paranoid. Uh, a lot of people weren't really going out. And we also had never operated in a pandemic. Pretty much March happened. The lockdown happened. We started the rebrand. We started, I started replumbing. And by the time we were ready to brew beer and open up, uh, I think my partners and I kind of realized like, oh, we, we have no idea like how to operate in the pandemic. Um, <laughs> Not too many lot, people did. Lot. Yeah. I think you're in well, good a company. Few breweries. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, July, like a, a couple of breweries had a month on us, you know, like they had already a month that they were working at half capacity or whatever it was at the time. But 
we kind of like looked at each other and realized that our concentration was on just opening, but now there were all these regulations that we needed to close. So we didn't really make a huge announcement. We didn't really do a grand opening because obviously we couldn't, but uh, we opened quietly and we've kind of since then just been relying on word of mouth. Uh, we're not really advertising too much. We're still just taking this time to figure out like what we are and what our focus is. Um, I think we're pretty well attuned to like the kind of beer that we want to be making, the kind of beer that Pat Jog and Suffolk County want to see from us, um, which fortunately are the styles that I tend to like to brew. Um, so we're just kind of feeling it out still. And when things open up a little bit more, yeah, hopefully we can, uh, yeah, we'll just see where it goes from there. But yeah, I wish I had like more definitive answers. No, it's, it's true. Just, it's it's everything's way up in the air I, for months now. It's just tough to really just uh, put your finger yeah. on exactly the answer to it. Well, there really is no answer. Every time Cuomo says something new, people get freaked out and we get freaked out and we're like, are we going to be closed next week? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, do I need to make another hazy IPA? Because like, <laughs> we can just do that. Oh, yeah, I, I do have hey. to say, Right here, yeah. doing this, doing package, beer. package beer, huge. This is this is the way to go right now till shit straightens out. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean we're already doing pretty well with the can sales. Um, Maltman, shout out to Maltman. They do a phenomenal yep. job packaging for us. Um, and yeah, uh, come February we'll have another canning run. We're talking about doing a three new one-off beers. Um, uh, Bolin of Ice and IPA, and then we're really hoping to, yeah, hoping to get um, maybe a fruited cream ale out, Ooh. just like a few weeks ago. You know? I like, fr- I mean, the toast. cream ales are delicious. Uh, Rosie's is saying the Keller is killer. That's hard to say. Killer Keller. Killer Keller. Loves it. Nick Nick loves his Killer Keller. Uh, Dan from uh, Long Beach uh, Brewing Company says, what's up, boys? How's everyone doing? Um, and our buddy from West Babylon Superstar says, when I get a chance, I'm going to drop by and pick up some beer for our store. People have to try this stuff. So he's going to swing by just so you know, have, have some beers on the ready for him. Um, so, I, I mean, obviously that was a, a tough transition to open up during the pandemic. Uh, how, I mean, since the weather has changed, how are you guys uh, addressing? I know you kind of even mentioned it with the constant regulation changes, but how are you addressing it like today? Have uh, operating hours changed? Have you changed the way the tap room operates? Are you focusing more on uh, to go? Are you able to do any in tasting room uh, pours or anything like that? How's that all working? So, I mean, the tasting rooms open at 50% capacity, which is something. And like, that's, that's really where most of our bread and butter is right now. Um, but we, now that we are getting to the slow season, January for any brewery is typically very slow. Uh, a lot of bars and restaurants in particular aren't buying kegs. So that kind of shot our distribution model that we were working on. But um, yeah, so we're really just concentrating on cans to go at the moment. Um, we have a good amount of this new double IPA. Uh, we have a little bit of the minor screens left. Uh, sold out of the banana porter pretty quickly. Oh, I would imagine. We'll bring that back pretty soon, I think. Yeah, we'll see. Um, again, it's just kind of like day by day, playing it by ear. Yeah. Um, so 
let's talk about your system for a few minutes because obviously if the way to go is going to be uh canning are you operating at a capacity where you could can enough to get it out there and make it worth it um or are you trying to just turn multiple batches around so you have uh, a variety of stuff to get out to distributors how how is that all operating uh so right now we're pretty much canning with a mobile canner at the minimum capacity that we can uh just because we have a lot of space constraints that we're working on right now and we're saving our money each time here and there so that we can get a little bit more space outside of our current. But um, yeah, we're, we're just canning what we can and we're getting it out to mostly uh, Home D distributors right now, uh, some bars and restaurants, and we're just putting it wherever it fits. You know, like I said, uh, a lot of, Restaurants aren't taking full kegs right now. Right. Uh, a lot of restaurants aren't taking backup kegs right now. There still is a good amount of paranoia about there being another lockdown. Uh, in the event that there is, you know, no one wants to be sitting on thousands <laughs> of dollars inventory. But including in you, respect, including me. <laughs> um, but in that respect, cans have been pretty good because I can sell cans pretty easily to any distributor or restaurant because I say, Hey, like, you know, 16 ounces, it's a definite fill. You know, you know exactly what you're going to get out of it. There's, you're not going to have issues with foaming. Uh, you can also sell it to go. So if people come to your establishment to pick up dinner for their family, they can also take out a four pack or two. Right. Um, it's, it's an easy guarantee because most bars and restaurants don't have a crowd learning machine. Now, how's the uh, the local reception? Uh, I know, like you said, they're not really taking kegs, but are, are there some immediate local places that are open taking anything or are they just all taking cans? And then beyond that, is there any sort of contracts of restaurants that you know that are moving? Like we have a couple of restaurants in, in my town that are operating uh, not at full capacity inside, but they have an outside space. So they're still doing pretty decent business because of what was allowed to happen. I'm sure there's still some restaurants out there taking kegs. Is there uh, more of that locally or do you find that more regionally? We find that more regional. Okay. Yeah, locally, I mean, Patchogue has become, I mean, obviously Patchogue downtown is a great spot to like go out for an entire night and jump bar to bar, but that's not happening anymore. So, you know, we are technically a competitor of our immediate neighbors. And, you know, in the summer, if things were wide open, it would be totally different. You know, everyone is doing well, but right now everyone's kind of just scraping by and trying to make what they can yeah. and keep their business afloat. And I totally get that. Um, that being said, we, we have a lot of accounts within Suffolk County and even parts of Nassau County that are asking for kegs and we're delivering as best we can. Um, we're kind of trying to push cans at the moment. You know, that's a big piece of our inventory right now, but they're moving pretty quickly. So, I mean, honestly, like I'm, I'm grateful for where we're at all things considered. Yeah. Is the mindset different now? Um, like if you, you brew something and you can it and it flies out the door, is the, the mindset to immediately brew that again, to kind of saturate that, that market and, and make the most you can out of each or, or is it, you know, okay, they got this, so they know us. So now maybe I'll hit them with this. Well, yeah, I think my partners would love me to just like brew the stuff that flies off the shelves all the time, but uh, I'm, I'm pretty stubborn about that. Um, yeah. Like, 
listen, we, we make a great juicy IPA with all these experimental hops and people love it and people go crazy for it and it sells quickly. But for that, I see it a little bit differently in that that gives us some credibility. Like, hey, you love this one thing that we did, try this other thing. Um, again, like we will do another IPA on our next canning run, but I'm also trying to queue up a really good blend of ice. I'm mm. also trying to queue up a really good cream ale. Like I'm trying to do things a little bit differently. I don't want to just be another IPA brewery. Cause uh, I mean, those styles are so easy to come by. They're pretty easy to do well. Um, I love the stuff that is a little more esoteric and the stuff that requires really good ingredients and really good brewing technique. Um, all of our Pilsners are turbid mashed. You know, I go out of my way. I mean, you would think it would take you a lot less time to brew a Pilsner because it's such an easy light beer. But I mean, my brew day for one batch of Pilsner is typically 11 to 13 hours because I do a double turbid mash on everything. It's mm. in the ass. It's labor intensive. It's, there's a lot that can go wrong, but I think it makes a huge difference in the beer especially when you're using a lot of less modified ingredients um, and you're just, you really have to push your techniques and, you know, to get out all the, uh, the diastatic power from that grain and also just to balance it. And then like Pilsner isn't just a set it and forget it kind of fermentation. You have to be on top of it every day. You know, there's, there's so much maintenance when, when you have two tanks full of Pilsner, and you're dedicating two tanks to maybe four to six weeks for those beers, you can't just let it go and forget about it and let it do its thing. It's daily maintenance. It's like a child. It just needs to be painted. And, 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 and Chris, Chris is right. Yeah, I'm not really Like, kind of. Kind of am. <laughs> I mean, Chris is right. There is, my there is, every day you're taking temperatures to make sure you're in that range you want to be at a given time. A lot of people don't realize that. They just think, oh, it goes in the tank, let it ferment, and, you know, when it's done, it's done. And and that's not it. A really good beer, it, you're, you're putting in the work every single day. You're checking that beer. You're taking you're taking some samples off of it. You're, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely a work in progress. But at the end, you know, when it's a really good tasting beer, you, 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 you got something to be proud of. And then people go, wow, this is really good. Holy shit. Well, yeah, I put the work in. That's why it's really good, man. Steve, you just dawned on me. You are the Tony Romo of our show. Just so you know. <laughs> hey, uh, <laughs> for those of you who watch football, um, get the reference. Especially with the Pilsners, because I mean, the first thing I try at any new brewery that I go to is the Pilsner because there's nowhere to hide. There's no dry hop to hide behind. There's no heavy fruit addition. There's no estuary yeast. It's got to be balanced. It's got to be done right. But I mean, we, we spun every Pilsner, every Pilsner that we make is uh, naturally carbonated in the fermenter. Uh, we have a couple of conditioning tanks actually that are beneath our bar, horizontal conditioning tanks, like very traditional German style. Um, so I have a lot of fun with those, but yeah, like, like, uh, like Steve said, there is a ton of work that goes into making a really good clean beer and people don't seem to appreciate that. But most people also don't realize that it's going to take about four weeks more than your standard uh, ale. It's got to be a dedication to it, and you got to. It's all. It's all in. You're, you're all in when it comes down to it. And you got. You know, you think of the tank space too. It's like, all right, 
you know, can I spend that amount of time on one beer where I could probably push out a couple couple more beers and maybe make a little more money? But yeah. you know, it's what you got, what you're looking to do, and want people to perceive your brewery as. And uh, you're doing Dan the right thing, Long man. Brewing Company says 100% on the uh, Pilsner idea. 100% that Dan believes that uh, that Pilsner needs to be cradled and pampered the entire time and constant checks, like Steve was saying, in order hey, Mike, to get that. Uh, yeah. Where are you reading? Where are these guys uh, replying to us on? On Instagram Live. Oh, okay. Because I have uh, uh, Bellport Dave has been oh, trying to. Dave's cold beer and soda. That's right. So, David, if you're listening, Instagram Live, brother. Yeah, go over to the Wart a podcast on Instagram Live, and Dan says it's his favorite beer to brew. So it's got to be uh, rewarding after you spent so much time and all the effort you put in, Chris, to to get that beer right. And when it comes out, you got to be just so you know thankful that that time and effort went into it, and it's a product you can be proud of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's you know, as I'm sure Steve could tell you, like brewing and a week of brewing can be such a nightmare. It can be such a pain in the ass. It's, <laughs> it's hot, it's smelly, like it, it's labor intensive, but at the end of the week, if you get to try a product that you're really proud of, like it, it's, an, it's amazing how immediately validating it is yep. to, to have that beer at the end of the week. It's like shit. Like it, man, it really was worth it. I tell you, man, when I went to the tasting room, I had a little reminiscing because Great. your brew house is, I had the same exact brew house and uh, I was looking at it. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. What happened? I don't know. Cut off. Oh, I thought <laughs> I heard silence for a minute. Uh, Bruce B uh, 73 joining the crowd. Um, just going back really quick. Ricky uh, B from uh, horse and Sylvia says, what's up. Oh, and shit. Um, uh, barrel age. Dave asked you a question. Chris it says, Chris, what is the beer you brew the most? Um, nothing right now. We don't have, cool. we don't have a flagship. We, we, you know, we're, I'm still dialing things in. What would you want uh, your flagship I would, be? I would love to say that I'm brewing mostly Pilsner, but that's never the case for any brewery this day and age. Um, I'm just trying to keep things interesting. I'm trying to keep things pretty seasonal. I guess technically if you break down everything that I've brewed so far, what I brew the most of is IPA because it moves the fastest. Mm-hmm. And uh, as soon as one is off the board, I have to queue one up to go on the board. Like I just brewed a new one, um, dry hopping tomorrow. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's all just kind of we're finding our My footing right styles. now. Ooh, I like ship to just be a good Keller beer. Or, uh, there you go. Allies, and we enjoy Keller. Like it's a delicious. Yeah, uh, we're, we're going to be doing something for cans, hopefully all summer. I have. A uh, good friend of mine working on a label for a can that we're hopefully going to release like maybe monthly throughout the the warmer seasons. Mm. But um, yeah, like that's the kind of beer that I love to brew. That's what I'd love to be brewing mostly. Other than that, I uh, I really love Saison. I wish that was an easier sell. But um, yeah, no, I mean, I think farmhouse stuff is what I really want to get into. Loggers and farmhouse are what I'm strongest in. Uh, unfortunately, with our space constraints right now, it's difficult to start a barrel program. Again, <laughs> yeah. that's what we're working on. But once we do find that little bit of space, I intend to be just packing out Chardonnay barrels full of funky wet stuff, lactose stuff, pocket stuff. Like, yeah, like I, I can't wait to start getting into that. But um, 
you we'll are, get there. You a fan we, of uh, Plan B Farm Brewery? I absolutely love Plan B. Or, Whenever uh, I'm on the state, it doesn't matter how far out of the way it is. Like I, I make a point to stop there. Yeah, yeah. it's absolutely. my favorite. The uh, also uh, Hillstead Farm Stand. Did I say that Hills? No, you said Farmstead. that real weird. Hill Hillstead Farmstead. I can't nope. remember. Nope. All right. You know, yeah, Farmstead. Those guys in Vermont, they make beer. <laughs> <laughs> Could be any number of those things, but it's one of those, uh, you know, uh, those, those styles. Farm, I'm with you. Farm with the farm. No. Yeah, farm. <laughs> uh, one of those, um, uh, you know, like I said, like you said, the, uh, the, the farmhouse styles to me, I, I love them, especially in the, the spring, summer, fall. And then in the winter, I want to get a little dark, but other than that, it's pretty much an all year type of style that I can, you know, wrap my, uh, my, my mouth some around. Ooh. Oh my. Yeah. Do you know what mouth? Hill Farmstead Brewery. There you Thank go. You. Is that? Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't want to look it up. I'd look it up. That's right. <laughs> you'd, Chris, you'd mentioned, uh, you guys were looking at, uh, additional space. Like, uh, is that opening up a second location or warehouse space or, uh, setting up a pop-up tent outside? What, uh, <laughs> Just, what do you guys think? Yeah. Get a 10 by 10 and store the kegs underneath it. <laughs> yes. I mean, we would love to have a satellite tap room eventually. Um, it's something that we talk about a lot. But um, for the most part, no. Right now, we're talking just about getting some additional warehousing space. Uh, we are very limited in terms of capacity. And um, we could definitely use a little bit of space for uh, dry grain storage. Yep. Uh, we could also use a little bit more cold storage. We could also use a little bit of barrel storage. I mean, honestly, we just need some warehouse space. It's not too far from our current facility, and uh, we can really extend our business quite a bit more. But so not necessarily now, like a production space. More, more of like no, it would just there's no place like, to put fucking grain. Pretty much put grain. Have you thought about going the route of like five guys and just putting like bags of grain, <laughs> like the peanuts, the like the peanuts, like, yeah. like the fucking bags of potatoes? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if the health department likes that, but they don't. They don't fuck around with five guys, so I don't understand why not. Right? There's just bags of fucking potatoes in the in the dining room. Yeah. Why not? Yeah, sure. Uh, I want to talk to you, Chris, about uh, branding because I know you talked about the the rebranding of the Patrick Beer Project into Darling. Um, so you have this, uh, unique logo, which I like the font as being a part, uh, we'll say, um, my minor was in graphic design. And then, uh, of course it's a lot of the artwork here. So it kind of follows through in a lot of your, uh, branding on the website, branding on your tap handle. Give us a little background about how that came to be. Yes. I mean, uh, well, the name first of all, came, comes from the, uh, Faulkner quote, kill your darlings which is to say, take the aspect of your work that you're already proud of and start again. Um, not that perfection is something that I think can ever truly be achieved, but it's something that you should, you should always be striving for. Um, I want that to be the first and foremost principle for our products going forward. Uh, again, like we work predominantly with as organic ingredients as we can, uh, less modified ingredients and yeah, I just I think it speaks volumes to the quality of the beer that you can make in the end. Um, as far as the uh, the branding goes, just I, I had some friends that I ran the idea by, and uh, my good friend Kayla Griffin from high school, she came up with the uh, the logo, which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, it's great; people seem to love it. 
But uh, as far as the can labels and that branding, it's just been a friend of mine who's down in Mexico and he just has a knack for these things and understands where we're going with it. So I kind of shoot him an idea. I give him a beer name and I kind of tell him like, hey, I'm thinking like a little bit of this. What, what do you think? And he'll shoot me like three examples and I'll just like one of them always hits. I'm always just like, that's the one, like do something with that. It has like a very anime feel to it. Um, Yeah, it's striking because you can actually see it and immediately associate it with the brand. So I think it works out perfectly. What you have going. Is it a local artist you said? No. uh, So my friend designed the logo. Uh, She's down in Savannah, Georgia. Ah. But uh, another buddy of mine who lives down in Mexico is doing all the can art right now. But we are talking with a few other artists at the moment. Um, just because we are queuing up a lot of, a lot of canning runs and we need to start getting ahead of the, uh, the label company. Oh, yeah. Cause that's, that's gotta be the backup it. right now. Right. I mean, I thought yeah, aluminum that, would be the backup, but now it seems like the labels are the backup. Yeah. The, the, the we've gone through like three label companies in <laughs> our six months open and I'm like, it, this one says they can get it to us quicker. And then like, it'll show up and it's like, oh, I like the first one better. I don't know. So we're, we're, we're like still fine tuning that, but uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it's been unreal. Like I, I really am happy with how focused the brand has got, especially in our first year. That's something I've been a little bit stubborn about. Like I want us to be very much so the darling brand. I don't want there to be too many outliers in terms of our labeling. Um, but yeah, like you said, I, I think our brand sticks out on the shelf and I go to a lot of beer distributors to drop off beer or even to just grab a few beers for myself. And I see so many labels that just kind of blend together. Yep. There's yep. So much noisy artwork out there. And I think I, we, you see it with a few new brands popping up um, on the island and in the city, but they're sticking with more of a black and white theme. And I think, you know, those cans really stand out on the shelf so much more than, uh, than like a really loud, colorful mess. Yeah, it was, a, it was a tug of war, right? I mean, it started off being very simplistic for the most part, like let's say 10 to eight years ago. And then as people started trying to get that shelf appeal, uh, they started colorizing and, and creating holographic labels and trying to get things to look uh, translucent. And then everyone's doing that, obviously. And then all of a sudden, um, yeah, it comes back and and now people going back to the simplistic just to kind of differentiate from the ones that aren't it's it's kind of crazy it's it's it'll constantly flow i guess in that wave type of movement uh up and down and back and forth just to kind of vie for like i said uh aesthetic shelf space sure yeah no it's it's that's the biggest component to the industry right now i think i think uh beer is very much so a popularity contest and uh I think there's a lot of um, less than decent beers that hide behind. Name names, Chris. <laughs> do it. <laughs> Burns the fucking ground. He cannot, Let's go. He cannot do that. <laughs> Just, I, I, I haven't had enough to drink yet. We're too new to be an enemy. <laughs> yeah, <Yep>. exactly. <laughs> yep. No, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, there's, uh, there's plenty there's of labels of, that I come across. I'm on Long Island and in the city and upstate and – I, I get like excited because honestly, like we're all so ingrained in this idea that like a cool can is going to be a good beer. Like it's, 
it's the same way that you pick out candy when you're a kid. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's exactly. like and, and there's that cross, you know, there where that beer with the funky label may actually have fucking candy. Right. Yeah, like <laughs> we never really outgrow that. And you know, I grab beer off the shelf all the time, and I'm thinking like, oh, this, this sounds cool. The label's cool. I'm gonna love this. And then I'm, I crack it open. And I'm just like, oh god. Like, yep. Think about I, how many. I mean, it's we've probably just like that. You eat with your eyes first. You know, you want to see that pretty presentation, but the pretty presentation is. In a, you know, an aluminum. And tube. at the same time, how so. many beers have you passed up because it didn't look pretty? And and think about what you could have enjoyed. All the, all the missed opportunities. No, it's it's so true. It really is true. And like now, I take a lot more time uh, going to beer distributors and bars and restaurants that I actually know that the server is going to curate the beer and tell me what they like and why they like it, yep. as opposed to just going to you know, some whatever Home D and they have a bunch of four packs on the counter from X brewery. Who knows when? Yeah. And they've been sitting out warm for how long, but the can looks cool. And like, this is what we're pushing today because I can get 10 bucks a can or 20 bucks uh, a can, like whatever it is. Cause you know how some of these guys operate, but yeah, no, I, I'm just much more careful about where I buy my beer these days. Uh, Barrel Age Dave yeah. is checking in. Barrel Age Dave uh, is taking shots at Steve, and he said, "Guys, don't insult yada 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 like that." Oh, <laughs> oh yada 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 was a great beer, and I would, and I know Barrel Age Dave. Yeah. Oh, and okay. I drink at his bar, ah. so <laughs> I used to drink yada 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 there all the time. It was a Long Island staple in a way, and uh, you know what? I, I I have noticed with labels. A lot of uh, smaller breweries are kind of, I, I, I don't want to say ripping off, but they're making can labels that are very similar to, say, breweries that are well-established, that have a huge following, cult following, and these other guys. Uh, which one? Treehouse. <laughs> yeah, there's some that look like that. Yeah, we know who that is. Um, I've seen there's a brewery on the island that when they they first did their first couple of canning runs, I I immediately, I'm like, wait a minute, either this is Finback or other half, just by the style of, and yeah, it if I would have saw it on the shelf, it, it until I read it, I would have thought it was other half can or a Finback can. Ah, okay. I think I remember that release. Yeah, yeah, no, it's um. Uh, again, uh, beer is a popularity contest, and uh, and the sad part is, I know the beer that was in those cans, not as yeah. good as it, it, it not should. as good as it should be, man. I do like the smaller breweries that are doing just like their label on a sticker. It's just like this is us. This is our label. Take this. Here's a sticker. Boom, you're good to go. Yeah, but exactly. also like we're not trying to be this national brand like we make i make seven barrels of beer at a time like on a on a good day if i wanted to really push my equipment i could max out to eight but like i'm just i'm really just trying to cater to the local community i'm not trying to be anything more than someone who's just trying to deliver a good product to suffolk county nassau county and maybe someday the city but honestly like probably not for the foreseeable future um I just think we're on too small of a system and 
growing beyond the seven barrel system. I, I mean, that sounds like a lot more headache than I want to bite off for years and years and years. Right. The so, pressure starts building up, right? I mean, to, to actually provide, to produce when they want a, you know, a, a 30 case pallet that's going to go out to them. That's a, that's a tough order to kind of put together. It's a tough order to put together, but also I just don't really care to do it because if I'm going to have to put together a, a huge order, I'm going to have to do a, all that work. I don't have any help right now. Right. Um, but yeah, more than anything, like I just want to take the next year, maybe two years to really figure out like what the local community wants from me. And um, luckily I'm seeing that it, it is a lot of Pilsner. It is a lot of traditional stuff. Uh, they do love the IPAs, obviously. They love the sours, but yeah, no, I, I mean, people are pretty accepting of what we've been doing so far. And as long as that I, I can keep filling that like I'm, I'm happy to do it at this scale. Yeah, uh, Jordan R three twenty nine says people don't appreciate local; they want what's cool, which is very much the truth. And then uh, Bruce B seventy three says, "Look at industrial arts; their can labels are simple and just stand out, and it's pretty much consistent throughout love, their entire product line." My the theme too. From, um, That's simple. Um, Rockaway just started working up there as a uh, nice as a sellerman. Yeah, they they make phenomenal beer they they make some of my favorite pale ales some yep. of my favorite ips because they're at like you know they actually have some bitterness and some decent body to them um Metric no tools i, I love is the pilsner right the pilsner is pretty good yeah yeah it's one of those ones that i try i was like oh i'll try pilsner from them and i was like oh yeah yeah i could do that no they make some really great stuff um i yeah i totally agree like they're doing some awesome stuff it's simplicity is cool simplicity is where it's at one of my new favorite uh, brewery names, uh, Blue Tarp Brew. I don't know. I'm just checking in saying what's up. Blue Tarp Brew. I don't even know where that is, but that's, that's a fantastic name. It, it, it could be a home brewer. Could be. Could be. Yeah. Of, they're just brewing under a tarp. Brewery names when you're, you know. That's fantastic, though. I like it. It's uh, simple. Simple. Uh, Chris, let's get into some beers. Um, so uh, as I'm, I'm slowing down here because I want to be able to have them while you're speaking about them. So the first one, uh, most of us cracked tonight to start off was the minor strains. It was the sour double IPA. As I said earlier in the show, I'm a huge fan of sour IPAs, um, whether it be on the very like Brett side, dry, crisp, or now even on this one where you're brewing it with blackcurrant and uh, Szechuan peppercorns. Um, and the lactose doesn't even feel, uh, you know, it doesn't even stand out to me, which is, I guess, a good thing because I don't like heavily lactose things. Tell me about this beer. Tell me about the process in creating this because, like I said, I'm a big fan of the sour IPAs. Sure. Um, yeah, no, I'm not a huge fan of uh, overly lactose beers. I think a lot of breweries don't show very much restraint with it. I think it's a really great ingredient when it way is. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I think it is a great ingredient because it serves a purpose. It's not fermentable. It uh, leads to residual sweetness. It re leaves the uh, creaminess on the palate, but uh, it can very easily be way too much. Yep. Uh, so we're pretty careful. About the only thing you notice out of the beer. Yeah, it becomes yeah. a standout piece, and you don't want that to be. Especially in like a lot of the uh, pastry stouts that are coming out these days, um, which I love a lot of them. But, man, I, like, I really can't drink more than six ounces. But with this beer, um, super dry, which called for the lactose mm -hmm. to uh, kind of round it out a little bit. Uh, good amount of oat, but honestly, like, for me, the biggest thing was 
letting the uh, Black Current be showcased because I think if you're getting into a sour IPA, you really care more about the fruit and the hops. Um, with this beer, it was dry hops with quite a heavy hand of uh, mosaic. Also, uh, HBC 016, which is an experimental hop from New Zealand. Um, yeah, so a good friend of mine, Graham Ollard from uh, Hollingberry Hops, is one of their brokers up there. And as soon as we opened, he really hooked me up with some great contracts, some experimental stuff that I don't know if very many other breweries on Long Island are getting. I'm sure some of them are. Like, I'm sure the guys at San City get whatever they want. But uh, <laughs> no, they no, don't. No way. Uh, um, but yeah, no. Like, he he sent me a bunch of stuff to play around with, and we did a lot of smell te- testing and sensory testing uh, to figure out what we were gonna do to accompany the uh, the fruit in this beer. And mosaic obviously goes well with any sort of berry. Um, particularly blueberry, but black currant is definitely in that same vein. Hmm. So, uh, again, heavy hand of mosaic, heavy hand of this experimental hop, which also has a very fruity, berry quality. Um, to the point where it really doesn't register so much as a dry hop. It really just kind of accentuates all the fruit that we added. And we did add a good amount of fruit. Like it was, it was a lot of fruit. Yeah, but I remember paying that bill and thinking this is too much. Yep. Too much fruit. <laughs> yep. A lot of fruit. Just how much fruit costs? That's crazy. Fruit is crazy. And, oh, and the shipping. Is, oh, it, it's insane. And also, shout out to the guys at Dubco because they always hit us up before they put in an order for uh, fruit purees. Yep. And tack on with them. And they make it so much easier for us because, again, we don't really have the space for storage, but they always hook us up whenever they're about to put in an order. So Chris and John plowing through uh, uh big short for them. Shout out to Jimmy. Shout out to Jen. Yeah. All those people They're They've been super helpful in this transition into opening a brewery in the pandemic. They've been super, super hospitable to us. You know, those are some of my best friends in the industry. So with the, about uh, the uh, Szechuan peppercorns in this, uh, where do they come in? How are they prepared? What are you doing with those? So those are added uh, just at hop stand, which is typically when we would add um, hops to our whirlpool at 165 degrees Fahrenheit. Giving away uh, the farm, that, Chris. Giving away the farm. Giving away the farm. <laughs> I, just kidding. Good luck. You don't know what else is in it. Exactly. <laughs> A lot to be desired. I think my um, <laughs> Keeps people tuning in. Uh, what else is he going to uh, tell us? Yeah, we had the Szechuan peppercorns at hop stand because – it's that's well that's also when we're adding our whirlpool hops as to not isomerize we're just looking for um a good extraction of aroma hmm. uh in addition to that the szechuan peppercorn my idea with this beer is i love a lot of szechuan foods and i i love the uh, numbing effect that szechuan peppercorn can have on your palate um not in that it takes away from flavor what I really love about it is that it seems to accentuate um, sweetness. Mm. And if you're doing a sour IPA, especially something as dry as the base was for this, I think it really pulls out a lot of the fruitiness from the black currant. Um, also, like I'm sure you'll see with that beer, like not a crazy head retention. That's mostly from the Szechuan peppercorn. Super oily, super um, aromatic, but yeah, I think all in all, 
we got, I got very lucky because I've never really brewed with it outside of a Saison. And with this beer, it just seemed to be just the right amount to accentuate the black current and uh, not overpower anything else. Are you uh, like doing for the souring yeah. technique? What's that? What are you doing for your souring technique? Kettle sour? Um, oh, stand, standard kettle sour. Okay. Yeah, about uh, 36 hours, just straight um, lacto-P pitch the day before, um, boil for 90 minutes, and then, yeah, knock out. Cool. Nothing crazy, nothing too interesting. Dropping pH like a yeah. motherfucker. Nothing yet. <laughs> Blue Tart Brewing Company is in Tucker, Georgia. Oh, there you go. Oh. For those keeping score. And Happy Souls is saying, what's up? Uh, Chris, the um, the the process here for the sour uh, and, and the peppercorn, what I found from it is uh, the the uh, like the peppercorn acts as an EQ, like an audio. When you're able to cut some frequencies, it helps accentuate other frequencies. So it's kind of that concept, right? No, exactly. Um, it's an odd ingredient. It's But I'm someone who loves to cook at home. I cook a lot. Um, me and my friends are all pretty big foodies. We go to a lot of pretty interesting restaurants, eat a lot of interesting food. And again, Szechuan is something that I've always been a huge fan of. And I've always wondered how it would fit into beer. Obviously, like I said before, it fits into Saison, especially French Saison with, uh, that peppery aspect that you're looking for. Um, and I did a couple of beers, uh, in my time at Rockaway with Saison yeast, specifically, uh, French Saison East 3711 from Y East, uh, which cool. is my favorite. But yeah, like it's it's a really great accent to the beer. But I always, I've always just again, I've always been curious how would it accentuate fruit? And I think this beer is kind of like proof in the pudding. It does make sense as an ingredient with the backbone of lactose, with the mouthfeel of oat, with the unmalted wheat. And then all together with the black current, I, I think it does kind of come through. Mm. Um, Are you, uh, you, you going a lot with Y yeast uh, for your, your pitches or? We're all over the place. We're, we're everywhere right now. Um, typically I, I prefer Omega for my lagering yeast. Um, I, I really like um, bootleg biology for their Saison Parfait, but I also, really think that Y yeast is most consistent with its Saison yeast. I tend to stick to that if it's going to go into a barrel later on. Um, and then we've gone back and forth between Y yeast and um, oh, what's the one upstate? Um, the yeast, yeast lab, something. Oh, they're, they're actually yeast, new, aren't they? The, the yeast bay. Yeah, we, we've used a couple of their hazy strains. Uh, we started out with uh, the double IPA strain from Omega, but we just weren't having the right results with it. Everything was coming out like a little bit too New England, New England West Coast hybrid, uh, mm -hmm. which I love. I thought it was great. I was like, I love hop character. I love a little bit of dryness, but uh, obviously the customer base wants what it wants. And uh, we wound up switching to your standard London L East. But yeah, and I think what comes across in the end for me. Sorry, 
what comes across to me in, in the beer is almost like a, a cranberry, even though there's no cranberry there, it almost has that cranberry esque feel. And I, I'm a fan of cranberry. So to me that works along with the, the souring and everything uh, kind of gives it that, that uh, I am on, I don't have a very express palate, um, but I know it, it kind of feels that way. The, uh, the tartness accompanied by the berry aspect and then the earthiness of some of the hops and the peppercorn definitely presents as cranberry. Yeah. And yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. It's, it's, that's a good way of putting it. I've never really thought of it that way. Yeah. I, and I've had a few of the cranberry based uh, sours and they don't taste as good. Um, so when you're going in an opposite direction with a different fruit or, and, and the peppercorns, it actually brings you back to what I would expect from that kind of beer. So uh, I think you did a great job here. And I want to uh, just sign off on Instagram really quick. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. A lot of people were having their own conversations in the chat, which was fun. Um, so I told everyone to go over to Gov's radio, and maybe we'll start it up again when my phone has power at the end here. <laughs> so thanks, everybody. Uh, anyway, so uh, this is, um, to me, right up my alley. This is something that I could drink many of in a given day. Uh, so you have to come job. by the tap I, uh, We have another sour IPA that isn't in Kansas on tap. Uh, that's Showbiz Kid, which is uh, sour IPA with peach, lactose, and vanilla. Mm. I like that's another peach, one of those yeah. beers where you pay the bill on the vanilla and the peach, <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. There you like, go. Peach is no joke either. I mean, that's at a season at this point, right? So it's hard to kind of find a good peach, yeah. or at least a parade. We closer to the end of peach season. And we're, we're just about out of it. We only have a couple of kegs left, but there you go. yeah, uh, I recommend you come by and try it because it, that beer is definitely um, really melded and kind of come together in the last month. It's, it's definitely conditioned a little bit better. Challenge accepted. <laughs> All right. It's, it's that time boys. Is it? I got to crack my second beer. Okay. Well, you got it's, it. it's time for Steve to ask his, his triple question threat. I wish I had theme music for you. I got to, I'll develop that for the fourth. So season number well, now four, you have oh, yeah, to. season number I four, mean, you have to. I'll do like a little jingle. I'll have the kids in my class uh, build a little <laughs> jingle for you. Like, there you go. It's time with Steve. We'll figure <laughs> it out. All right. So Chris, I, I ask every brewer that, that comes onto the show, three questions. Um, one, what was that first uh, gateway uh, craft beer or just any beer that turned you on to craft beer? Um, two, what is your favorite style? And three, are you writing this down, Chris? You got to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> and number three is it for me. Okay, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and number three, what is uh, a beer you would drink now, other than one of the own beers that you uh, brew yourself? What is a go-to beer for you now? Okay. All right. So the one of the beers that really got me into craft beer, I was probably only like. I was 16 or 17 and me and my friends wanted to go to a party and we were asking my friend's brother to get us beer. And he had just come back from his first semester of art school and he had a fake ID. And what do you think he was doing in art school? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> of course he was. Um, but he was like, fine, I'll, like, I'll get you guys beer, but I'm not, I'm not getting you Bud Light. I'm going to get you craft beer. Oh, I'm going to get you real beer. And we were like, yeah, whatever, man. Like, just get us alcohol. We're 17. 
But yeah, so he took his 7-Eleven and came out with like a six pack of Brooklyn Brown Ale, a six pack of Brooklyn Lager and a six pack of like Blue Point Toasted Lager or something. And uh, there you go. I, I remember um, we got to this party and I, I cracked open a Brown Ale and I was like, holy shit. I, like I had no idea that beer could taste that way. Yep. And forward fast forward one year i'm obsessed with craft beer and like brewing in my parents kitchen when they're not home like <laughs> I, I was totally hooked um chris what's that no, smell I, what why does it smell like that in the kitchen what did you do what did you do <laughs> but, um, no my my parents were actually really supportive um well within reason <laughs> until it became my career and then it was like oh wait like you want to do this for real? Like, anyway. Um, so yeah, I, I think just it was wait like till your Brooklyn father gets home, Chris, just wait. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I think so. It was, it would definitely be Brooklyn Brown ale was like my gateway. Uh, and that's when I started really looking into craft beer. Um, what was the second question? <laughs> second one. What is your favorite style? This will be on the midterm, by the way. <laughs> I think it's Czech pills. Um, oh, you know what? No, I take that back. Uh, my favorite style is Doppelbach. Oh, there you go. Ooh. No one makes great Doppelbach. I've never professionally. Trogs, Troganator? Tro Troganator, yeah. Like, but no one like Small is making good Doppelbach. Nope. I really wanted to do one this year, but we all kind of agreed. Like Steven did. We, me, me and Larry. Uh, oh, that was the collaborator. Yeah, collaborator. That freaking thing. That was fucking delicious. That yeah, beer, no, that was, and we were so happy that with that beer. But, Steve, how did it, how was it received? Actually, you know, we, it was, it was the people that sought, sought it out were like, holy shit, this is a fucking great beer. Other people, you know, like Doublebach, what, what is the double? you know, they, it's, why isn't it hazy? Well, and, no, and, well, this was a while ago. Yeah, and <laughs> and well, there was that too. Is, is there? Is it hoppy? Is it? Oh, shut up! <laughs> no, that's he actually made a return trip. For that. That's my favorite style. We we really wanted to do one. Uh, this we just decided this wasn't the year because bars and restaurants aren't buying kegs yeah. as much. Certainly not going to be buying kegs of Doppelbach. Um, <laughs> no, not right now. Uh, if we can do it, it would never move. So maybe, maybe next. that is a sad fucking state yeah, of affairs. Sure <laughs> yeah, you'd be sitting on a whole lot of duffel buck. Yeah. So um, much buck. So much. That, that's my favorite style. Like I just love the malty chocolatey. It's just like my fireplace beer for the winter. Yeah. I was gonna say, so what? What's the season you would associate that with? You, you'd brew it probably September, get it out in October sometime, and then through January. A little bit later, I, I'd probably like brew it in December and release it to January, February. Ah, okay, cool. But um, really cold months, you know. I that's that's when I want to drink that. But um, and then the last question was, what would I want to drink? Now, yeah, other than your own beer. Other than my own beer. Uh, mm, right now, probably just Pilsner or Cal. That's like. What were you drinking earlier? I saw a green bottle. Uh, embarrassingly Heineken. 
<laughs> that was my guess. All right. <laughs> uh, that's embarrassing. Like that's my that's my weekday beer. Like I I have a couple of times. I just I can't drink like the hazy IPAs during the week. I uh, well I'll, I'll put it this way. So I I I've been going backwards a little bit in the craft beer scene. Not that it's not a craft beer that I'm about to talk about, but I I've come back in love with Dogfish 60 Minute to the point where I'm oh. drinking a, a case over the weekend, <laughs> which is what I pretty much did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, things are getting real over here at the old tool household. Um, so when IPA used to actually taste like IPA, right? Exactly. Exactly. That and Stone and uh, Sierra Nevada, those kinds of things. But I, I gravitate all the Sierra time to 60 Pale Minute. Definitely like one of my defaults. If I want something hoppy, I drink Sierra Nevada Pale. Yeah, like, exactly. That was the first one that I tasted that was like that. And I went, whoa, what is this? And then I saw Stone and I saw Dogfish. And I ended up with Dogfish as the repertoire. But like I, I went out, I bought a six for Friday night. That went really quick. And I, I actually now, again, enjoy drinking out of a bottle. I don't know why. Like out of nowhere for for years, I'm like, I need my glassware. I need my my 16 ounce and I need my physics. And I got to. Bro, and now you I'm like your own glassware yesterday. For I, know, I, yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. I bring my own glassware to a bottle share. <laughs> I'm a fancy son of a bitch. I apologize. Clearly. Uh, but yeah, but just you and your fucking peacoat. Peacoat. It's not a long trench coat peacoat. Get out of here. So anyway, uh, the the dogfish, I, I drank that six on Friday. And then Saturday, the football rolls around. I'm like, all right. I, I went out and got one. And I realized about two beers in. I'm like, this is not going to last. So I go get another one. And then I realized Sunday after being with these guys, um, I needed more because there was still football. on. <laughs> so your, your kryptonite is Heineken. My kryptonite is uh, Dogfish 60 Minute. Just go right with it. Yeah. It's like what I grew up with. My dad always had Heineken in the fridge. It was always Heineken or Betts. Like, those are my two. When I'm really not trying to think too much about what I'm drinking. I can't drink Bud Light. I can't drink Budweiser. I can't drink any of those, like, macros. Nope. But, uh, yeah, like, a few of the imports, I think, are good. Bex is great. Heineken, I think, is great. Um, you know, probably more than anything. They're just really consistent. Yes. Well, and prior I, to enjoying craft beer, I that's Heineken was my drink. It was Heineken Light or Heineken itself. I would go to that and drink plenty of those every night, maybe a Guinness at the end of the night or so. But, you know, for the most part, uh, now it's it's just taking it to the, I guess, a little bit of a different level because I just enjoy the hop of, of the dogfish. And uh, to have like this, you know, like you said, the original flavor we all accustomed to a, an IPA, dogfish still encapsulates it to this day. It's just crazy how consistent they are amazing like to for that for how long that beer has been around and they're still making it the exact same way um like a lot of breweries that i've worked for in the past have a flagship beer or something that people really demand but the brewery will change it with the trends and i'm like well now it's not the beer that we set out to make it originally yep. we call it something else but uh, you know, it's that's the nature of the beast. Yeah. Something like even a, a Kona longboard seemed like it had changed at one point. Or Kona beers in general seemed to have changed. When I when oh. they first hit the scene, I went, this this is great. I love Castaway I IPA. I love uh, Fire Rock. I liked longboard. And now, I you know, you go to a tropical island and longboard's longboard. But, or, or big wave is big wave. But you get them in a can now, or you get them at the distributor, and you're like, nah, that's not what I remember it as being. That's that's how I feel about Magic Hat. Magic yeah, Hat is be a good beer. Yeah. And then it changed along the way, and now I, I can't drink it. See? I, I, I was a Magic Hat fanboy for quite some time. 
point where I have the flag under here on the bar. Oh yeah, yeah. I had it, the flag. Even, it's even on the mat right here. You can see it. But it was, you know, it, it kind of lost its its sparkle luster. in my eye. Yeah, luster. A lot of city breweries that I really loved uh, their flagships when I was getting into craft beer, and as soon as you know, well, you, you get to a point where your brand is blowing up and you're doing really well, and they have to outsource their beer. They yeah. have to kick it up to a contract facility somewhere. And, you know, that again, that's just how this game is played. But um, yeah, I, I've always found that once it gets kicked up to a contract facility, you're working on totally new equipment. And, and that's something that I've noticed trying to translate my recipes from Barrier or from Rockaway to Darling. Like, there's definitely a learning curve. But a lot of like my favorite beers that started to get mass produced by some of my favorite breweries were just never the same. Yeah. Um, a lot of them have come back and they've gotten their footing or they've like dialed things in with their contract facilities. But it, it's just really funny. Like as soon as you leave one brew house to try and do it on another, it's never going to be exactly the same. No. It also has to do a little bit with the, in, in my opinion, the water of the area. So the water of let's say uh, Brooklyn defender, I used to love Brooklyn Defender, and now I, I crack one open. I go, this is not what I remember it being. There's something to it. You know, there's got to be something to it when they contract out a state or out of uh, the area and things change a little bit. That a lot of breweries don't really look into before they kick it up to a facility. I, I know a ton of brewers on the island and in the city that, or even in Jersey, that uh, don't really do much about their water profile. They just filter Yep, And if you're a style dependent brewery where you're always adjusting or doing new things, you really need to play with your water profile a lot. Um, I mean, even in Patcha, we have very clean water um, to the point where I don't have to do much if I'm just making a, a standard hoppy beer, maybe just a little bit of gypsum. But for the most part, like, I do play with the water profile, but I know that a lot of breweries don't. So when they do kick it up to a contract facility with a totally different water profile, yeah. they don't really have basis to say like, well, we do this to achieve this many parts per million of this mineral. You guys have this much. Like there's that discussion is lacked. And for the people that don't understand, you know, take a shower on Long Island, you got your soft water from the aquifer underneath the island. And then you go upstate and it's hard water from the reservoirs and stuff like that. And you could tell the minute you get in the shower, the smell of the water, the feel yep. of the water, it's something you really don't think about. But if you stop for a moment and just think about it and like, this doesn't feel the same, there's a reason for that. And it's because of the, the source in which the water is coming from. Uh, I want to get into this uh, double IPA inflate, uh, uh, inflate, inflate. Uh, yes. Yeah, so this is hopped with uh, Talus, which I've not heard of, by the way. First time I'm seeing that. Uh, Strata, which I have heard of, and Nectaron, which I think I've heard of, but doesn't seem like you're taking the traditional movement with the hop profile. Give us a little breakdown on this one. Um, this is all experimental New, uh, New Zealand style hops. Um, listen, I love the classic hops. I love Mosaic. I love Citra. I love. Uh, Idaho seven, Idaho seven is one of my favorites, but at the end of the day, like I do want to showcase different things. I don't want to just be adhering to the very basics, you know, mm. 
anyone can just jam a ton of Citra into a beer. Anyone can overpay for Galaxy and, <laughs> yep. and jam it into a beer. Yeah, it's 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 easy. You know, you I could pay thirty bucks a pound for a Galaxy and just like dose the hell out of an IPA. And sure, it'll taste great, but I'm not going to make any money on it. But I think <laughs> beer is like a really good example of you know I took three hops that I had small contracts for. Um, I didn't pay more than thirteen dollars a pound for each of them, and I also didn't over dry hop the beer. I didn't double dry hop. I didn't triple dry hop. Uh, it just you pay respect to the alpha acids in the hop and you know what you're doing to your beer. As far and as double IPAs go, it, I mean, they all seem to stand out and work in conjunction with each other. It's, it's actually really good and refreshing, refreshing. I have it ice cold right now. So it's just about, you know, the, the bitterness. I, I, I enjoy a good West coast bitterness. I think New Zealand uh, has that balance between the new England juiciness and uh, a West coast bitter. And it feels like you're right in line with that. It's kind of like a de decent, um, let's say, middle uh, of the country type of thing. I will say that this this is the first beer that this is the first IPA that I brewed that I, I really feel like we hit the note. Uh, whereas a lot of the first ones were either too hoppy or some of them were too juicy, and I was like really trying to find that middle ground and. I don't know if you guys are getting this on the nose, but like I feel like it's really forward uh, grapefruit pith, but also candied orange. And so, I mean, I love that pithy kind of aroma because it reminds you that you're about to drink something with a ton of hops in it. And you're about to drink something that's eight and a half percent too. You know, a lot of these new hyper PAs, I, I get into them and I'm like, it's 8.5, but man, like I could just pour them down my throat. They go down <laughs> so smooth. Like it's it's dangerous. Um, yeah. I like to. I, I want my customers to like taste the beer and and be like, oh yeah, no, that's that could be 8.5. But also, I don't think it drinks too bitter. I think yeah. you have that grapefruity pithiness on the nose. You have that citric. Uh, citric rind on the nose as well but when you drink it's much more tangerine melon and maybe even a little bit of coconut and uh okay this is also the coconut yeah yeah this is one of the first beers that we used um incognito hop extracts with and wow. i never used with i i'd never used hop extracts but um again hollingberry hooked us up with some really great um incognito hop extracts co2 extracts uh one of them being citra the other being sabro we did a little bit of a blend with them and uh sabro offers that huge coconut pina colada nose um and then citra obviously that kind of candied orange and then um i feel like the nectaron is my new favorite hop uh that's not something i've ever dealt with before but we did get a small contract for it and actually, our next IPA that's coming out is going to be a single hop New England style Nectaron IPA, which nice. I'm very excited. The uh, yeah, it's good. It's got a slight earthiness to it, mm -hmm. um, but on the aroma, it's incredibly just citrus forward. It's a really interesting hop. The uh, and stop me if I'm kind of doing the wrong thing here, but I think I've come to a conclusion of 
involuntary exposure to what I do. So I'll drink this. And then what I'll do is I'll, and it sounds terrible, but it works. I'll burp up a little bit with my mouth closed <laughs> and I'll feel it through the nose and I'll get another blast of some sort of flavor that would accentuate the next taste. Is that something that people talk? I, I'm, I'm throwing it out there. I just realized it now that I do this quite often. <laughs> it's just coming to the uh, realization. I, I do that with White Castle. And, uh... <laughs> oh, Steven. Sloppy Joe's. Don't worry <laughs> I about it. I did that last night, by the way, guys. As did I you? left, I, I had to do it. I, I figured um, as much. I figured as much. And it was it was it didn't work out in my favor. But it's it's, it's almost the same thing with really? food. I mean, it, it's one of those things where I think involuntary, I end up doing that. And just to kind of recapture some of the profile of what I'm drinking or eating. So is that a thing no, that in the, in the industry guys, I don't know. No. Okay. It's not something that I've ever talked about with anyone, but I, <laughs> I think it's something that we'll do a little bit. Hmm. Maybe I'm Roll an innovator. Maybe. Wow. Or no. you're just a drunk. One That's true other. too. More <laughs> weird. Because I bought yeah. a case of dogfish. Now I'm a drunk. Come on. <laughs> Come on. But yeah, I mean, man, it's this, not something we talked about. You shouldn't have brought it up. No. <laughs> <laughs> Those are inside no, voices finally coming out yes. on air. I yes. apologize. Uh, so the talus, I, is that the New Zealand, right? That's the experimental New Zealand you were talking about? Uh, Nectaron is the, well, they're all somewhat experimental. Um, they're all New Zealand hops, I believe. Uh, actually, no, I'm sorry. Um, I believe that talus is Australian. Okay. Um, then Strata is New Zealand, and Nectaron is also New Zealand. Now, is there a, a specific uh, contract you have with them? You have to buy a certain amount of these uh, foreign hops, or is it something where you just kind of a la carte it? Yeah, we, we only get like 200 pounds a year or something, Okay. which in the scope of these hops is really not that much because we're mostly going to use them for a late addition. So... Uh, they're going to the fermenter basically in bulk. Um, so 200 pounds doesn't very, go a very long way. <laughs> we'll probably get to brew this beer like maybe three times a year yeah. if, if we wanted to. But um, yeah, we'll hopefully you know. going this year is we, we can uh, get a little bit more cold storage and we can start ordering some more of these hops. And there's, there's the reasoning, again, for why you would want uh, a bigger facility for storage and and dry storage and then increase your cooler space in, in the, the tap room and vice yeah. versa. Again, you know, like Strata is a highly coveted hop right now, maybe even more so than galaxy. And we have a small contract for it, which is really great. You know, it, it's amazing that we have a small contract for it because we're only paying about 13, 1350 a pound, as opposed to if you wanted to get them on spot or secondhand through other markets, you would probably have to pay twenty nine to thirty five dollars a pound. Wow! Uh, so more than double. Highway and robbery. Highway robbery, yeah, for real. But at the same time, you put shot on your can, and it's going to fly off the shelf. So you know, there's give and take. Yeah. But if we can have a little bit more walk-in space, if we can have uh, a little bit more output annually, then we can rationalize getting a much bigger contract for the following year. Sure. Um, that's really what it comes down to. It's just that balancing act. Do you contract for a lot of the the sexy hops, the citrus, the mosaics, the galaxies, or is that just something like you kind of get because you have a brew in mind, or do you try to stockpile anything when it's on sale? We don't get uh, – I mean, we pretty much order stuff as is needed. Uh, things that are special like these hops, we, we definitely – 
have contracts for because they're too expensive to get otherwise. Uh, for something like Citra and Mosaic, um, a lot of the other hops, you can mostly get them on spot. So, and at a decent price point. So those we're less worried about. Um, going forward, if we do expand to a certain point, a certain output, we'll have to contract everything. That was a big part of uh, working at Barrier. You know, once we moved up to the 20 barrel system and we were brewing three times a day, it was very quickly like, oh, like we need X amount of this per year. And like, honestly, like we needed to be able to store it monthly because the storage fees at some point yep. at another facility just become absurd. It's not worth the, uh, the storage price. So you just use it as is, like you said. Um, so I, we have these two beers. I, I know you did a collaboration with Myers. Is that correct? Myers Brewing? Myers, Myers Creek. Creek. Myers Creek, right. Okay. So tell us a little bit about that one because I know Steve had that uh, collaboration at the brewery. Yeah, at midnight. Uh, that was our Blackberry Goes, Blackberry, Black Current, and Blackberry, Black Current, Black Cherry, and Black Sea Salt Goes. Ah, Black Sea Salt, yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was our three-way collaboration with Destination Unknown and Meyer Creek. Um, we went up there to uh, the facility up at Myers Creek and brewed it there, 60 barrels. Uh, keep an eye out for their beer. They're making some really phenomenal stuff. Um, I don't know if you guys know Ivan. Steve, I'm sure you know Ivan. Yes, from have, Oyster uh, Bay Brewing Company. Uh, formerly former. Yeah, who, honestly, like probably one of the best minds in beer. Like if I ever have a question about anything craft beer related, he's the first call that I'm going to make um, just because he has such an extensive background, but he's also never just, he's never had the capability to brew what he wanted to brew. He's right. always kind of been to what ownership wanted him to do. Yep. Now he's working for this 60 barrel brewery upstate with the six barrel pilot system. And he kind of has free reign. And <laughs> I, a kid I, I got candy say, store. Seriously, like <laughs> haven't been drinking a lot of IPAs. Uh, but as soon as I got up there, like I had an IPA in my hand the entire weekend. Okay. They he, just doing really phenomenal stuff. Um, I think they're pretty new. They're a similar situation as us. Um, the brewery already existed. Uh, someone bought it out. It was Empire. Yeah. It was Empire. Yeah. yeah. And the, uh, the company that manufactured their tanks bought them out or empire was going under. So they took over however it happened, but, um, similar deal. They just opened about a month before us and, um, they're making some really killer stuff. But in addition to the awesome IPAs, they're also doing really phenomenal traditional styles. Like they had a Bach up there. They had, they, they had some really cool stuff. Like, and I know that's what they do well. And actually I got my friend and uh, former sellerman from, Rockaway Brewing Company, Mark Jensen, a uh, job up there as a brewer. And I know he's killing it. Like we both have a very similar mindset for beer and we both love traditional styles. And that's mostly what we worked on when we were working together at Rockaway. But yeah, you, you really got to keep an eye out for their beer. And Empire, that, and I'm sorry, Myers Creek, is it's in the city of Syracuse, correct? 
Uh, 10 minutes outside of Syracuse. I was actually kind of annoyed. I, I have, I used to have yearly trips up to Syracuse and, uh, for school related activity. And there was some downtime throughout the years. And I always said, I got to get over to empire, get over to empire. Cause I wanted to see their space and, and their brewing system and all that. And now they're done. So now I can, uh, kind of get my stamp on my think New York, drink New York app, but Myers Creek replaced it. So we're right there. I can get a new one. Again, the uh, the company that manufactured all the equipment, all the fermenters for uh, Empire took it over. So every time Ivan needs something, he pretty much just puts in a request to this like pharmaceutical grade manufacturing company. And they're just like, he's like, yeah, as long as you can like rationalize it financially, like we'll, we'll make you one. Oh. <laughs> like every brewer's dream. <laughs> he's living in a brewer's heaven. Up in Syracuse. It's, a, it's Casanova. It's also a space. Yeah. There you go. I, I I always enjoyed early on when Oyster Bay opened uh, the beer that was coming out of there, and, and not so much um, that Ivan had the the say in what was being brewed, but the quality of the beer that was coming out. Um, and and not to downplay Oyster Bay, we're going to try to have them on this year. But I, I'm really interested in how things change and how the the uh, recipes have changed and and the portfolio has changed. Um, you know, th- those are kind of the stories, the 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 war stories of of the brewing industry, of things losing and things taking over. And, and you're one of the ones in the history books for taking over a, a business that needed a, a complete rehaul uh, and then coming out with fantastic beers. Everything that I've had tonight uh, now, especially as much as I love the, the sour double, this thing is fantastic. I can drink a lot of these. These are delicious at 8.5. I'm not going to get off the couch anytime soon. So come by. <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you have a couch and football? I'll be there. There's some playoff games them. coming up. <laughs> I could take the railroad back to my house. That's what's fantastic. There you go. That's where it's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, because it won't be dangerous because beyond the LIR. Well, That's as it. long as I wear a mask, then I'll be safe. Uh, there's a bunch That's of true. people checking in on Instagram. Uh, of course, uh, Coven Hoven in New York City is checking in saying, what's up? Uh, beer narrator uh, who has their show starting up in about five minutes over on Instagram does a great uh, beer trivia show. Uh, Brian McAvoy 92 is checking in the uh, step brewers who we're going to have on the show in 2021 uh, checking in a lot of people kind of hanging out and saying hello. Yeah. Brian and I graduated high school together, actually. Hey, there you go. Now, yeah, you- uh, um, Jones Beach Brewing Company. Oh, it's Brian. Oh, okay. I know who it is. Yeah. Yeah, we've had them on the show in season one, actually. Oh, no shit. Yeah, they came on. Uh, uh, who was it, Pete? Um, he's not going to remember. Pete's not going to remember. I'm not, I don't even remember. It, it was just them. No, it's just, it wasn't Brian. It was. Oh, no. His um, I know. It's so many people we've had on. It's hard to remember everybody's tiny name. Tiny Tim. No, it wasn't Tim. It wasn't no. Tiny Tim. But they, uh, we always say they have so much merch out there, oh, and I can't find the beer. <laughs> <laughs> more merch than beer out in the world but i mean the beers that we had the the inlet uh was it the inlet lager or the pilsner uh we had a an, a very different ipa from that yes yeah which was actually different than you would get and i like the idea of different uh when you constantly have that chris mills chris that's what it is couldn't think of it oh are you sure that's not sadden brothers see that's what i get mixed up on that was jeff sadden yeah uh, you're right 
Correct. Boom. See? Wow. Game blouse. That's wow. why we keep you around, Pete, because I don't remember anybody's name unless it's like within the last year. And then I just somehow might have to replace the memory card uh, with a new memory card. So Chris, don't don't be uh, sad if I if I said ah Chris Chris there you go, it's just my memory and how it works. Um, let, he's, let's he's talk about what else is come on. Bro. I, I know. I, well, Randy, that's right. No, Randy. Yeah, Chris and Randy. Randy was the other one. Chris called me the day of the show. He like fucking contracted the plague before the plague <laughs> on a cruise ship, and then his brother Randy came in. Mm-hmm. And then we met um, we met Brian at uh, one of the Nassau County Beer Fests. He came in and, and said hello and jumped That's on right. the show for a few minutes. So very cool. Um, let's talk about what it's up. What what else is up on the board at the brewery? So we went through the sour double and the regular double. What else do you have? If someone walk in today, what's up on that board? So again, we have the uh, other sour IPA that show biscuit, the peach, vanilla, and lactose beer. Um, Love that beer. Come by and get it soon because it's limited. You have it canned uh, we're up? About to run. We don't have it canned up, right. but we do offer close to go. Okay. Um, additionally, on the board, we have our English Mild. We have our Keller beer. We have Bones, which is like kind of our West Coast New England hybrid. It's oh. like somewhere in the middle of the two. Uh, double IPA. Um Trying to think what else, what else we have. While you're thinking, um, uh, Charlie from 1940s checking in saying, what's up, boys? Uh, hey, Charlie. And then again, yeah, we have the uh, the new IPA coming out. Probably, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think Friday we will have out a new IPA, single hop with Nectaron. Oh, nice. So you're going to feature just the Nectaron one. Just the Nectaron, yeah. I'm pretty excited about that one. I was tasting it today. It'll get dry hopped tomorrow, and then by Friday, it should be ready and on tap. Nice. Uh, then this weekend, it'd be a, an excellent uh, adventure out to the Patchogue area. Um, what do you have beyond that? Do you have stuff in the tanks um, after this weekend? Do you have stuff fermenting for a couple of weeks? What do we got? Um, nothing too crazy right now. Again, we're in the slow season. We're not getting too far ahead of ourselves, but... Uh, couple of Pilsners in the works, a uh, couple of new IPAs in the works. And then again, we also have the Glinovice, uh, Cream Ale, and another IPA going into cans February 15th or 16th. Ooh, nice. Right in time for Valentine's Day. Right in time. Yeah. What is, what is, uh, you think is the next, uh, you know, when things obviously are going to kind of move forward a little bit, um, what do you think the next investment is for the brew house or for the, for the place itself? What's, what's the, the thought process for the future plans of the brewery? So we're definitely always looking for, again, that little bit of, of storage space that we're kind of here and there finding, not working out, working out. But um, more than anything, like there's a bunch of equipment that I would love to get for the brewery that, you know, we're operating at a very unique capacity right now in mm. that we don't have a ton of equipment and I'm used to having a lot of like toys and belts and whistles coming from the breweries that I'm coming from. Uh, so there are definitely a few things that I would really like to invest in for myself uh, and for the sake of making more consistent beer because we do want to eventually get into making flagships, flagships stuff, uh, especially in cans. But 
I'm not totally comfortable doing it right now without certain articles of equipment. All um, right. All coming within the next month. Or any um, promises of, of contracts or anything like that. Contracts? Yeah, like moving forward, if th- things end up uh, opening up and then you know you can, you know, keg stuff and can stuff. There's, there's a ton of stuff that we're working on, but I don't want to talk about because, you know, it's such an uncertain time. Um, again, like space is the biggest one. Um, and we are talking to a few potential places about expanding into, but um, it's also up in the air right now that, yeah, I don't know. So I don't want to dedicate too much time to that. Yeah. Yep. Meantime, we're just looking forward to opening things back up, uh, getting back to 100% capacity, uh, continuing, continue with canning. And then, uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see from there. Once things open back up a little bit, we'll, we'll be able to make some more finite decisions, but right now it's more so just about moving the beer that we have. Well, if Steve and Mike would get their fucking vaccinations already, we could go out and just touch everybody and everything. (laughs) We are part of one B just so you know. And, and once we get vaccinated, I'm just going to be licking doorknobs left and right. <laughs> I've been. I think I'm in group eight. Fucking foxtrot. He's going to so. be licking the rail. He's <laughs> going to be licking the railings, going up, walking out of the subway right into the. Like this. Is, go ahead, fight me on this one. I'll get the flu. Does it come with a? Does it come with a button? Like I got vaccinated or something? Oh, no, yeah, you'd be able to tell by the one droopy eye. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll I'll actually have uh, the scarlet letter. I'll have it sewn onto every shirt that I have, so everyone Branded knows. on your chest. I'm going to have to, there's, there's no other way of doing it. I, I just feel like, you know, if, if we can get to the, the summer, we can limp to the summer. I think things will end up turning around a lot of bit. Uh, do you, Chris, do you think that, um, you know, do you have an outside area that you can be once the weather turns a little bit better? Unfortunately, not so much um, because we're in, right in between two other buildings. We don't have parking per se. Um, that being said, the town of Patchog usually shuts down Main Street every Thursday and Sunday. Yeah. So we're on a one-way street directly off of Main Street. So by proxy, we're shut down too, um, which means we can pretty much spill into the street two days a week. And I think once the weather is a little bit nicer, we're going to invest in getting the tables and you know setting up some sort of beer garden and those you can repurpose those pop-up tents you're brewing under you can repurpose them no that was for storage that was just keep the rain off the grain (laughs) which is the name of the first beer i brew rain off the grain rain off the grain (laughs) um no but seriously i mean you have the ability once the weather turns a little bit to do that 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 would definitely help business do you hear uh anything from the local businesses in the area about what could be moving forward we're all very much on the same page right now and that if there's a slow night in Patchogue, it's slow for everyone. Um, but no, I mean, I think Patchogue has been very dedicated. The locals are very dedicated to the businesses that we have in town. And like, we appreciate our customers so much, especially because most of our businesses repeat business. Uh, most of our businesses, locals, most of it is regulars. Um, but yeah, if town is dead for a night, town is town is dead for a night. It's <laughs> not just us; it's it's everyone. So 
not just one of us hurts. We all hurt, you know. What uh, has been the the most popular night? Is it a Thursday? Is it a Saturday? What's been the the better night out of the week? Saturdays, Saturday, and sometimes on Sundays. Those are the two days that we find ourselves turning people away ah, because we're at. That's which, that's hard, man. That's got to be hard to like sit there and say sorry. Just can't accommodate people. It also kills you to turn people away. Right. You know, I'll have two people drinking water at a table of four, and then I have to turn away a group of five guys that look like they could drink eight pilsners each. Like, <laughs> Damn it. Uh, and, and, and yeah, I, I, I know uh, that Patrick did the right thing uh, back in the summer to allow people to be out on the sidewalk and stuff like that. Do you think that's possibly an option moving forward besides those Thursday and Sunday nights that they shut down? I think so. I mean, I, I think the town is doing right by businesses as much as it can. Um, I mean, we're all just kind of slave to the SLA at this point. Um, as long as you're following the rules, things are going okay, though. I guess. But yeah, Patchogue will definitely do right by the town. Um, they'll do right by their businesses, and we'll see. And was that a hard hard sell for them? To, for the, I know the brewery was already kind of established before it was rebranded. Um, was that something that you heard about that was another brewery in town? Is it, was it a harder thing to kind of repurpose it because of that or no? Not, not so much. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It was, I mean, we still get the question all the time, like what happened to Patch Gear Project? Um, and we just give them like the basic generic rundown of, you know, you know, new concept, new partners, but um, yeah, I mean, there really hasn't been an issue or too much confusion making the transition. Um, also, I think it somewhat helps that Patch Oak Beer Projects was only a thing for, I think, just under a year. Yeah. And I don't think it was totally well known. And then the fact that there was this lockdown for as long as there was, and then we got right back into, all right we're opening a new brewery and kind of doing it quietly. And now people are, you know, there doesn't seem to be too much confusion. That's good. Do you have any advice for the breweries that are trying to open, um, I guess in the next year or so and, and what they can expect uh, when they open during these times before things can return to normal? Um, just don't do it. <laughs> I don't have good advice because we're figuring it out. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it, it's obviously it's a crazy time. Um, and we didn't expect to be opening in the middle of this. But yeah, I guess just stick to brewing what you want to brew and be proud of what you do. Be conscious of what you do. Be conscious of what your customers want. Right. And, uh, just find balance because I mean, as stubborn as I can be about the kind of beer that I want to do all the time, I also know that I need to make the new style IPA sometimes. I need to make uh, the pastry stout sometimes. I, you got to play the game. Like you yeah. got to get people inside your establishment somehow, but uh, keep them there with with the uh, the esoteric stuff that you really want to be doing. Just yeah. pride. I know you mentioned before being a, a big foodie. Uh, what's the one place in Patchogue that you would go to? Hey, you just walk in and get a table. Bird and Bow. Oh, there you go. 
Yeah. It's a good one. And nah. they got a good tap list, too. I don't think they have beer. No? Are you sure? Yeah. I th- I, th- I thought I was there. Maybe they well, maybe they didn't. If they don't. They should have my beer. <laughs> 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 of course. No, it's, it's great. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, I'm friendly with uh, the owners there, and they just make really awesome, interesting uh, Taiwanese style bow buns and they do. I feel like they had beer in bottle or something. I don't, I I don't remember draft, but I think I thought they had something there. Uh, It was a while ago since I was there. So maybe before the pandemic, when did they open? They opened years ago, right? They've been there for a while. And just over a year ago, like just, Hmm. I think one year before the pandemic. Okay. All right. So yeah, I definitely, yeah, I travel out to Patchogue often. Patchogue, Babylon, um, Bay Shore yeah. to just kind of uh, dine on some of the local cuisine, we'll say. And that's one. Of the, we have one uh, that opened uh, recently, Bakudo, here in uh, Linnehurst. And, uh, you know, same thing. Got a great reputation. Great yeah, food. Pat is a friend of mine. Yeah. The owner and head under there. Uh, I used to work in Rockville Center before I was in beer. Um, I I was a barista at a local coffee shop, so I'd make Pat his coffee in the morning. And then uh, after my shift, I would go see him behind the bar, at the bar, and he would make me my nightcap. So, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we had that. Chris, this has uh, been awesome, and I, and I invite everyone, uh, and take it from us for sure, uh, to go out to Patchogue and go visit Darling Brewing Company. We're extremely impressed with the quality of beer that's coming out of uh, the brewery at, at such a young age, uh, a lot of experience has gone into that, even though it's a relatively newer brewery that has opened. Uh, so that's definitely check them out. Oh, good. Steve, what do you say? No, that, that's the key. Uh, you know, I, I usually tell people, uh, they'll go visit a new brewery and they're like, man, the beer is okay. And I'm like, yeah, give them some time, you know, they got to get their shit together. Uh, and but that's usually because, and it's usually because they're inexperienced or the system they're not used to. But uh, when it's somebody like yourself where you've had experience, you know, you've worked on several different systems and different breweries and it, it probably uh, the beer came together quicker um, uh, and, 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 and a really good product uh, where some other breweries, you know, they, it, it is a learning curve. Uh, but like, like Mike just said, I've had, you know, the, the three tonight. And then I had two at the brewery, um, and all solid beers, man. I would definitely, you know, uh, usually when we, we close the show and we, and we talk amongst ourselves, I'll be honest. And, uh, I, I'm going to be honest now, uh, not a bad beer and I highly would recommend, uh, people should definitely go, uh, to darling and, and definitely try what you're doing because great stuff, man. Very impressed. I really appreciate that more than you know. Thank you so much. And uh, it means a lot coming to you too. There you go. The godfather of Long Island beer, as we call him. <laughs> he's not my godfather, but he's hey. a godfather. <laughs> uh, Chris, look, we really appreciate you spending the time with us. Uh, like we said, we, we will check it off the list. We're not beer reviewers, but we highly recommend this one for everything that we've had tonight. And, uh, Steve has had, we, we trust his palate and we're going to be out there stuff. In, in the near future, uh, kind of sampling all the other stuff that we haven't tried tonight. 
So check them out. It's uh, Darling Brewing Company in Patrick, uh, Long Island. Do me a favor, Chris, give us the big plug. Where can people find it? Where can people um, get it at this point? Do you know the distributors you're at? Give us the social media contacts, everything like that. All right. So you can find us on social media at Darling Brewing Co. on Instagram or on Facebook. Uh, you can also find us at DarlingBrewingCo.com. Um, otherwise, you can find our beer obviously at our tap room uh we have tons of cans to go we have a couple of guest cans right now um we also are available at hopscotch bottle shop yeah which i'm sure most yeah. of you are fans of i'm a fan of um those guys are great we're also available at monarch beverage in long beach new york if you're in nassau county yeah and uh some guys beverage which yeah. i believe is Fucking love some guys. Mike is the balls on wheels. Let me tell you, he will walk you through like a, uh, and not like a salesman like that. He'll walk you through like you just entered the Jeep dealership and be like, check out all the shit I have. Pick your shit. Yeah, I know what they're doing. I mean, we're pretty careful about where we put our beer right now. We're so young. I don't want my beer sitting on tap for extended periods of time anywhere. Um, I don't want my cases of beer sitting out warm on a shelf for the whole summer. So yeah, we're, we're really considering where we put our beer right now, but those are the few places they can get us in addition to our tap room. And we encourage you guys to come in and, uh, feel free you, to place orders online for pickup. Yeah. I was just going to ask, uh, you, are you guys doing any delivery or it's just uh pickup? We're not doing delivery right now. Uh, it is something that we're looking to get into, though, in the near future. We just need to get a little bit more help. Um, but now with the slow season, it's January. We kind of have a little bit more time. So something that we're going to probably discuss this week. Cool. So, yeah, follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. And stand by for any announcements regarding those. But also any announcements regarding new beer. Ah, that's the key. The new stuff. The good shit. This is the world with Mike, Pete, and Steve, GovsRadio.com. Thanks a lot for joining us tonight. We will have our podcast version of the show up on all your favorite podcast platforms in the next few days. Also, check us out on YouTube, uh, the work, a podcast with Mike, Pete, and Steve. And, of course, uh, go back to GovsRadio.com to catch up on anything you might have missed. want to thank everyone on Instagram tonight for uh, joining the show and asking your questions and all that good stuff. Uh, I'm going to close out the second session of Instagram now. And, uh, of course, thanks to all our sponsors. Uh, we're going to kick off 2021 uh, again with uh, a bang with Chris from uh, Darling Brewing Company. And we're going to kind of plow into this year uh, doing some really cool stuff. So check us out on everything. And, again, Chris, thank you very much for the time you spent with us yep. tonight. You, really appreciate your thanks time. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, it's not a problem. This is The Word with Mike, Pete, and Steve, GovsRadio.com. Uh, Pete, uh, so we'll start with Steve. Sorry. Steve, any last words? Um. Herpes is the gift that keeps on giving. Oh boy, here it is. <laughs> you had to end on a high note, didn't you? Always got to, always got to go there. Peter, uh, fuck twenty twenty. Don't forget to have your pets. Peter. There you go. This is the world, Mike, Pete, and Steve. GovsRadio.com. We out. Well, that's two hours of your life that you'll never get back. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. Please hang up and try again. Words on Govs Radio. I hope you're drunk enough. <laughs>